and your grace towards us each each day. And so many times we we just begin our day and and uh, don't take notice of the many blessings which you bestow upon us, O oh Lord. But we pray that you would be glorified today and magnified, and we pray that we would see those things in our lives, that we would see your daily hand upon our lives, and and uh, know that uh, you are an all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful God, and you are the one who, who keeps us in your hands. We love you, praise you, thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace that has been bestowed upon us in and through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pray that you be glorified today through the preaching of thy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we be continuing our study on the attributes of God. The attributes of God. Turn, if you would, to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, chapter 2. Daniel, chapter 2. Our topic today is the knowledge of God. Last week in our study on the attributes of God, we looked at the faithfulness of God and how He is faithful to keep that which He has promised because He got, because as God, He cannot lie. He cannot lie. And He alone has the ability to also carry out that which He has promised to do. So He's ever faithful, ever faithful. And He's, he's also all-powerful, so... He has the ability, the power to do that which he has promised to do. <clears throat> and today I'd like us to consider in our studies on the attributes of God, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God, which is the fact that our God is all-knowing and that nothing ever catches him by surprise. Nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing. He knows everything, everything possible, everything actual, all events, all creatures. He is God in the past, He is God in the present, and He is God of the future. And He knows all things, and He knows all that will happen. And He is perfectly acquainted with every detail in the life of every being in heaven, in earth, and in hell. He knows everything. He called wise men together, and or, or he, let's, I'm sorry, let's look here in Daniel chapter 2 and for the setting of our text, we're going to read that King Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed a dream which troubled him. You ever dreamed a dream and it troubled you? You ever wake up and you can't remember the dream but you're troubled? Or you remember the dream and you're really troubled? Well, Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed a dream and it had troubled him and he could not remember the dream. Therefore, he could not tell them what it was. And he called his wise men together and demanded that they give him an interpretation of the dream. And their reply is found in verse 10 of chapter 2. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king, king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asked such things as any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requireth that there is none other that can show it before the king, except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth and all the wise men should be slain and they sought Daniel and his followers to be slain. So Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he couldn't remember what that dream was. So he went to his wise men and he said, you're going to tell me what that dream was. You're going to tell me what the interpretation is. And, and, 
and and the the wise men are are, are telling them the truth there, right? Because no man, I don't know what you're dreaming. You don't know what I'm dreaming. You can't tell me. But there is one who knows all. There is one who knows all. And Daniel knows that one who knows all, doesn't he? And more, more so, Daniel's known by that one who, who knows all. And that is God Almighty. But for the, the Chaldeans, the, the, the worldly wise men, they said, there's not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asketh such things as in, at, at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. We see that in verse 10. <clears throat> so Daniel then, in verse 16, asked the king to have give him some time that he can petition the Lord for the interpretation of the dream. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, and that he would show the king the interpretation. Now let's read from verses 17 to verses 30, to verse 30 in the same chapter. And we will see that our God knows all things, and he reveals to Daniel just what this dream means. Then Daniel went to the house and made things known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, <coughs> that they would desire mercies of God, the God of heaven, concerning the secret that Daniel and his followers should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in the night vision, and Daniel blessed the God of heaven. <coughs> Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. And he, has, he has all wisdom and all might. Verse 21 of Daniel chapter 2. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. So think of this. Everything you know has been given to you by God. All the knowledge that people have in this world has been given to them by God, even though they deny that. That's the truth. And notice here, this is, this is he, he sets up kings. He, he, he removeth kings and he setteth up kings. He's all powerful. He's all wise. He's all knowing. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge unto them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. And think of that in light of Scripture, right? When I was talking to a brother the other day and we were talking about how we read scripture before we were saved and there was, there was nothing there for us. But after the Lord saved us, well, my goodness, the Lord reveals to you things, doesn't he? He reveals to you because the Holy Spirit is the one who authored this book and he illuminates the scriptures and teaches us the things of Christ. But God is the one who has to do that. He has to be the one who has to reveal these things to us. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee. <coughs> For thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Iraq, and whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Iraq brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have 
seen and the interpretation thereof. And Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded, cannot the wise man, the astrologers, the magicians, the sea slayers show unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that we reveal us secrets and make known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. They dream, and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter. And he that reveals secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, the secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have, have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation of the king, that thou mayest know the thoughts of thy heart. But notice there in verse 28 too, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the kings of Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. If you continue to read to the end of this chapter, you see that God revealed to Daniel the, what the dream meant. And then Daniel is promoted in verses 46 and 47 because he tells Nebuchadnezzar what the dream meant. Look at verses 46 and 47. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth is your God, of a truth it is that your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldest reveal this secret. So our God, beloved, is all all knowing. He's all knowing. <coughs> And look at verses 21 and 22 and think about how our God is all-knowing, how nothing escapes His notice and nothing can be hid from Him. Look at verses 21 and 22. And He changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with Him. Turn, if you would, now to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And we'll read verses 1 to 6. Keeping in our minds the thought that our God is an all-knowing God and that His ways are past finding out. We can't understand Him. We can only know what He's revealed to us about Himself. That's the only way we know our God, is if He reveals Himself to us. And the only things we know about Him is what He's taught us what he's taught us. His ways are past finding out, beloved. He is so much higher than all of us. Look at Psalm 139, verses 1 to 6. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. He knows everything. He knows everything about us. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. So when we ponder these precious truths, this knowledge is so wonderful. It is high and I cannot attain unto it. Just think, beloved, how intimately God knows you. How intimately he knows you. The scripture says the very hairs of your head are numbered. Just think of how intimately he knows who we are. He knows everything we say. He knows everything we do. 
He knows everything about us. Nothing can be hid from him. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. And when the psalmist, when David writes this, he's, he's just filled with awe. He says, such wonder, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. See, the way some men talk, you think they think they're smarter than God. No one can attain to the knowledge and position of our great God. No one at all. No one at all. And note there in verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high, I cannot attain unto it. When we ponder the knowledge of God and the fact that He is all-knowing, when we ponder this and meditate upon this, that our God is all-wise, He's all-powerful, we cannot comprehend it. And this knowledge is so wonderful for us. So wonderful for us. And we rejoice in the little that we know, don't we? We rejoice in the little that we've had revealed to us. We rejoice in that. In that wonderful knowledge that He's given us. Think of how Christ the Redeemer has been revealed to us. Just like Joseph Revealed himself to his brethren. He's revealed himself to us. He's made himself known to us. It's incredible. The one who is the Savior of our souls, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is God incarnate in the flesh, is the one who's all-knowing and all-wise, over all, over all. And look at Psalm 139 there, verses 2 and 3. Look how our Lord is like an ever-watchful shepherd over his sheep. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. You lay your head down at night, he knows all about you. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what's going on in your life. In mine uprising, you wake up in the morning, say we're troubled about things, or say we're just ready to face the day. He knows all that's gonna, that we're going to face. He knows all that's going to come because he's all-knowing, beloved. He's all-knowing. So he knows, it says there in Psalm 139, 2 and 3, Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. Nothing escapes his eyes, beloved. Nothing escapes his eyes. He's all-knowing. And does this not bring comfort to the believer's soul? Does this not bring comfort to our soul, to you who are born again, to you who are the blood-washed saints of God, knowing that our all-wise, all-knowing, all-powerful God is the shepherd of our souls, is the shepherd of our souls, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible. And let's bring it home to every believer. The God of the Bible is ever watchful over you. Oh, that brings me such comfort. To know that he is the shepherd of my souls is ever watching over me like a shepherd does his sheep. And, and he's protecting us, beloved. He's, he's using the crook sometimes to pull us out of the little things that we get ourselves into. <laughs> right? A little bit of correction every once in a while, right? Oh my. But always in love. Always done in love. Ever watchful over us. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in life. He is ever watchful over us. Whether it be in times of sorrow and heaviness or whether it be good times. What we would classify as good times. He's ever watchful over us. He's ever there. 
He never leaves us nor, nor forsakes us. And, and take comfort in this. He's all-knowing of the situation that you're in. There is never a situation that occurs in our lives that God does not know exactly what's going on. Exactly. And He's in control of it. And that can bring us great comfort, can it? It can bring us great comfort. And then think of the fact that our Lord never changes. He never changes. He never makes any error. His knowledge is perfect. It's perfect. Oh, you know, we, can, we mess up all the time, don't we? But his knowledge is perfect. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews 4.13. Hebrews 4.13. You know, all things are before him, too. All things. Again, there's nothing that escapes his eyes. Absolutely nothing. All things are before him. He's all-knowing. All-powerful. Omnipresent. Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Nothing. And that's visible or invisible. There's nothing that's not in his sight. And then think of that. Nothing is not in his sight, and yet he's mindful of me, the believer says. He loves me. I'm one of his sheep. Oh, it can bring us great comfort, beloved. All things are naked and opened unto <coughs> the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And how incredible it is to ponder these great attributes of God. These should fill us with wonder and awe. They should fill us with wonder and awe when we think of how, how our God is great, all-knowing. And the fact that nothing can be concealed from him. Nothing. And that he is invisible, yet he is ever with us. You ever pondered that? We can't see him, but he's ever with us. Ever. The darkness of the night cannot conceal anyone from his sight. All things are open to him. All things. Turn, if you would, to Ezekiel chapter 11. Ezekiel chapter 11. The scriptures proclaim this wonderful truth in the book of Ezekiel too. Ezekiel 11 verse 5. Speak of the knowledge of God and that he knows all things. Look at this. Ezekiel 11 5. And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said unto me, Verse 5, chapter 11. Speak, thus saith the Lord. Thus have ye said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. Every one of them. Oh my. See, there's nothing that is hid from the all-knowing God. Absolutely nothing. Think of this, the scoffing words and thoughts of man and the intents of man toward God and towards one another are all laid bare before our great God. Are all laid bare before our great God. How humbling this is for, for the saint of God to know that our thoughts, our words, and our actions are laid bare before the Lord. Oh my. Oh my. Now, now we see why, why the scriptures say that the Lord 
looks upon men and sees that there's none righteous. No, not one. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that understandeth. In our natural state, that's what we are, aren't we? And we can see why he can, because he's all-knowing. Everything is laid open to him. Everything. Boy. Remember the trees of the garden and the fig leaves that our first parents put on themselves? They could not conceal them from the eyes of the Lord, could they? Remember it says they hid, but they weren't concealed. They weren't concealed. No human eye saw Cain kill his brother Abel, but yet our great God saw it all. He saw it all. Sarah laughed in her tent when it was said that she would have the child of promise in her old age, and no one was there to hear her. But Jehovah heard her. Jehovah heard her. Remember Achan? He stole silver and a garment and a wedge of gold and the Israelites were told that when, when the Israelites were told to take nothing. And Achan carefully hid all these things in the earth. But what did God do? He brought it to light. And he was destroyed. And how this truth of our God being all known will lead the believer to repentance before God. Because we, we know we're all guilty before him, don't we? Even after we're saved, this truth of the fact that our God is all-knowing will lead the believer in Christ to fall before the Lord and confess our own sinfulness, doesn't it? It does. And seek mercy and grace from our great God and King. But always remember that the carnal mind is enmity against God. And this is a truth that man would strip God of. They'd strip God of this attribute if they could. The fact that he's all-knowing. Man could try to put this truth out of one's, one's mind. They hate the fact that our God is all-knowing and all-wise and that He does as He pleases. When He pleases, they hate this because they hate the fact of the sovereignty of God over all things. There's people who profess, profess to believe in Christ, but when you start to talk to them about God's sovereignty and about His holiness and about election, they get all bent out of shape. But then there's others who when you preach this truth, just embrace it and love it and are so thankful for it. God's people hear the word of the shepherd, the voice of the shepherd, right? And we follow him and we love his words, don't we? So people who react in the other way prove themselves to not be lovers of God. To not be lovers of God. Natural man does not want to know that there is one who is the searcher of all hearts, that there's the one who is the judge of all their deeds. But for the believer in Christ, what comfort we can, this can bring us. It actually brings us comfort, beloved, <coughs> to, know, to know that in times of confusion, trial, or troubles, that we can say with Job, we can say with Job, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I'll come forth as gold. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 103. 103. And, and in what comfort it is for the believer to know that even though God knows all our thoughts and all the intents of our heart, <coughs> that the believer is forgiven in Christ. Forgiven in Christ. And, and that's when it really becomes, it, it fills us with awe and wonder because we know what we are. We know what we are. We know who we are. 
but yet to have this great forgiveness in Christ and to have God not count those sins towards us because they've all been bought and paid for by Christ. Oh, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Look at Psalm 103. We'll read verses 13 to 19. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. And what's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? But fools despise wisdom and instruction. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. He knows what we are. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it and is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. That's what we're like. Our life's like a vapor too, isn't it? Just we're here one day and we're gone the next. But the mercy of the Lord, look at this, is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Who's our righteousness, beloved? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's all our righteousness. This is wonderful. And the mercy of the Lord is from what? Everlasting to everlasting. He has mercy upon his people. Oh, forever. Upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Oh, this is wonderful. Look at verse 14. For he knoweth our frame. Remember, he's all-knowing. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. He knoweth our frame. Frame there is who and what we are. Who and what we are. Our great God knows the corruption of our natures, and yet he spares some men and women, those who the Scripture call the vessels of mercy. The vessels of mercy. Our great God knows the, knows the great and constant propensity to evil, which is naturally in all of mankind. And, and therefore, if he should deal justly with all of us, he would immediately destroy all of us, but yet he has mercy. He has mercy on his vessels of mercy, his people, his elect. And then we see mercy here in this verse. He remembereth that we are dust. He remembereth what he knows the weakness of our natures, beloved. He knows the weakness of our natures. He knows how frail we are. He knows the misery of our natural condition. And this is what's being brought forth here. And consider this, that if he should loose his hand upon us and pour forth his wrath, everyone would be destroyed. Everyone. And yet he spares those whom he has given to Christ in eternity. Why? Because it pleased him to do so. Because it pleased him to do so. There's nothing in us that deserved it, is it? Because we're just as deserving a wrath as everybody else. And yet it pleases God to have mercy upon his people. Those who are the objects of his eternal love. Remember, remember there in verse 17 it said, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Uh-huh. We're the receivers of that mercy, beloved. We're the receivers of that mercy. And we are undeserving of that mercy. That which was rightfully deserved us, that which would have destroyed us and consumed us, the wrath of God is what? Is poured out upon our substitute instead. 
is fully poured out upon our substitute, fully poured out upon the sinless Lamb of God, that which we deserved. When he died in the room in place of his chosen people, when Christ died upon the cross as a substitute of his people, all that wrath was poured out upon him. So we see how undeserving we are of this mercy. We're undeserving of this mercy. We're undeserving of the grace which has been bestowed upon us in Christ. And yet it all comes to pass according to the plan and purpose of our all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful God. That's incredible. That's incredible. And think, beloved of God, how precious this truth is. How much of an encouragement it is to God's people. As when we pray, we pray to the all-knowing one. He knows everything about the circumstance we're going through when we're praying to him about a circumstance. When we're lifting something up to him, he already knows all about it. He already knows all. Well, some people say, well, well, then why are you praying to him? Because he commands us to him because we love him and because we know he hears us. And he's our God, isn't he? He's our God. He's the all-knowing, all-powerful one. (coughs) And he's our Savior and our Redeemer. And there's no cause to fear that the petitions of the righteous will not be heard or that our tears and sorrows will not be seen or overlooked. No. No. The one we pray to is the one who knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. Think of that. When we're praying to him, he already knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts. He already knows because he's the all-knowing one. He's the all-knowing one. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 65. (coughs) Isaiah chapter 65. And marvel at this truth that the all-knowing one knows before we pray what we shall pray. He already knows. He already knows. Isaiah 65, verse 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. (laughs) He already knows, beloved. He already knows. Because our great God is great and he's the God of all power and of all knowledge and his understanding is infinite. Infinite. We know a little bit here, don't we? What we learn and what God teaches us and what he allows us to learn. But think of this. God's knowledge is infinite. Infinite. That's our Savior. That's our Redeemer. God's knowledge reaches all things, visible and invisible, and nothing escapes his gaze. He's ever watchful over all the fowls of the air, over the beasts of the field. He owns the cattle upon a thousand hills. He sees all things upon the surface of the earth. He sees all things in the earth. He sees all things in the sea. He sees all things in the universe. He sees all men. He sees the thoughts of their hearts, the words of their mouth, the actions of their lives. He knows all things which have come to pass. All things. 
He knows all things which go on right now, and He knows all things which shall come to pass in the future. He already knows. His knowledge includes all things past, present, and future. That's our God. That's our God. He's all-knowing. He wouldn't be all-knowing if He didn't know everything that was going to happen, would He? But He knows everything. And so that's the keeper of our souls, beloved. What comfort we can glean from that. He's the keeper of our souls. Think of this in light of this quote from A.W. Pink. It says, God's knowledge of the future is as complete as his knowledge of the past and the present. And that because the future depends entirely upon himself. That's, that's a wonder. I'll read it again. God's knowledge of the future is as complete as is his knowledge of the past and the present. And that because the future depends entirely upon himself. Were it any wise possible for something to occur apart from either the direction, agency, or permission of God, then that something would be independent of him and he would at once cease to be supreme. Our God knows all things. All things. That's why the preachers, we can get up and we can say, God's going to get every one of his sheep. He's going to save every single one of his sheep. Because he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all wise. And again, what comfort we can glean from this, can't we? Because we live in this world and it's, there's things going on and we don't understand. Everything's happening according to His purpose and plan, beloved. The wisdom, the power, and the knowledge of God is infinite, just like Him. Just like Him. There are many devices in a man's heart, nevertheless the counsel of the Lord shall stand, Proverbs 19.21. We know in Daniel it, it says that, that all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, right? And no one can stay our Lord's hands. And he does whatever he, do, whatever he pleases. I'm going to paraphrase it. In, in the armies of heaven and, and all the inhabitants of the earth are, repeated, are counted as nothing. So he, he's all powerful, all wise, all knowing. Whatever he has purposed, it's guaranteed to come to pass. It's guaranteed to come to pass. It's impossible for the divine counsel of God to fail in their execution of that which he has said shall come to pass. He's purposed it, it shall come to pass, because no one unto God are all his works from the beginning, Acts 15, 18. This is why we often say that God didn't go to plan B when Adam fell. No. He knew that it would occur, and he proclaimed that a Savior would be born, the seed of the woman. And that which he has ordained will come to pass. And it did. The Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, became flesh. Became flesh. Born of a virgin. God knew and foretold the crucifixion of His Son many hundreds of years before He became incarnate. And this is because it's all in the divine purpose of God. He was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And yet He was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God to die upon the cross. So let us close with taking from this lesson that the infinite knowledge of God is a topic that should fill us with amazement, awe, and wonder. And it should make us realize just how far above us our great God is. How infinitely wise He is. Do you know what this day will bring forth? We don't, do we? Do you know what tomorrow will bring forth? We have no idea. No, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future, right? And 
That's our great God. That's our great God. Oh, what a precious truth this is. And think of this. Think of this. For we as believers, I'm going to close with this. He foresaw my every fall. And if you're a believer, he foresaw your every fall. He foresaw our every sin, right? Nothing escapes his knowledge. Our backsliding, anything, any, he, he sees it all. He sees it all. Yet nevertheless, his heart has been fixed upon us. His love has been fixed upon us from eternity. What should that do? It should just make us want to bow before him, shouldn't it? in awe and wonder of our great God, our all-knowing, all-wise God. Heavenly Father, thank you for the salvation which we have in our Lord Jesus Christ and through him alone. Thank you, Lord, for choosing us in eternity in Christ Jesus. We are so undeserving of this mercy. and You know who we are. You know we're but dust. You know we're but sinners. And yet, oh, yet, Lord, in your infinite wisdom and in your divine counsel, you've had mercy upon us in Christ. May we leave here today thinking about this and pondering these wonderful truths and be filled with wonder and awe. And may we meditate and think upon this through the week. And may it fill our hearts with joy and wonder. In Jesus' name, amen.